to Get Outside with Kids, the podcast where we help you create more awesome memories outside with your family. This is Kate and I'm joined here by Jen. Today's guest made me think about a conversation that we had a couple of days ago, Jen. So your family came around to our house for dinner, which as you can imagine, four kids inside one townhouse, shenanigans ensued. It was loud. It was chaotic. There was pizza everywhere, but it was good fun. And it made me think back to that conversation, Jen, about how we prioritize our family time. Yeah. I mean, I think it was really relevant. We had both having conversations with other families who were just again lamenting about how busy their schedules were and there was already two three four five six days of activities in the books and me and you just looked at each other like i never want to do that to our kids and i mean we have young children i really hope i don't look back on this and be like jen how wrong you were Um, but i just don't want to get to a place where every all the activities and sports and extracurriculars really start to take away from other activities you can do as a family. Um, And so the guests that we have on here tonight as a family of six, so twice as many kids as we have, Kate, I don't know how how families do that, but all the time, I know. Um, They really tapped into that. They really tapped into what you can do when you hold the margins and the space for your family. Um, And that's something I really took away from today's episode. Yeah, we were so excited to have Dev and Stu on. So they are a family of, sorry, I can't say it without being like, oh my gosh, a family of six, a family of six who moved from Texas to the state of Washington, where they've just been exploring. And Jen, I love their enthusiasm. I think our listeners are going to hear that tonight. Their enthusiasm for just getting out and exploring and trying new things and all the awesome lessons that their kids seem to be learning through all that. Yeah, they set a very ambitious goal uh, for the 2022 hiking season that you're going to hear about later in the episode. And you're going to hear about how they accomplished it. Because to be honest, when I saw this number, I was like, how is that even possible with four kids? Uh, so Deb oh. breaks down how they set the goal, how that was structured, what it meant to their family. Um, and then I really loved, I mean, Stu just had some great like quote bombs that I'm sure we're going to turn into reels later. I was like noting them down. I'm like, Kate, save this audio (laughs) section later on uh, because he just had some really good sentiments around how do you keep four kids moving on the trail? Uh, What are some of the tips that they use? And what are some of the life lessons that they're building as a family by spending more time outside with their kids? So listen in. We've got a really great episode ahead. So we're excited to have Dev and Stu here on the show with us tonight. We connected with Dev and Stu over Instagram when they reached out to us, telling us about some of the cool adventures that they've been on with their family since they moved from Texas to the state of Washington in 2020. So Dev and Stu, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having us. So I'd love to know a little bit about that move for you, kind of what prompted the move from Texas to the state of Washington and... What are the differences there? For people, we have some listeners listening in maybe from Australia, from other parts of the world who might not know the differences. And I think there's some pretty big differences between Texas and Washington. What inspired that move? What have you enjoyed about exploring your new home? So Stu uh, got a new job in the Seattle area, which caused us to move from Texas, which where our entire family is there in Texas. And so it was a really big move. Um, One of the biggest things is the change in scenery, whether Texas, where we were from, was really hot and dry. And then moving to Washington, where it's everything's green and (laughs) there's rain all the time and there's mountains, but then there's the Pacific Ocean and then there's the sound. So we just have such a huge variety of places to explore up here in Washington State, which we've just 
very much enjoyed. Yeah. And, and, and the, the big move was, you know, it was a little bit nerve wracking. I think a few of the kids did not want to move that far away from grandparents and all that. But one of the, th- the cool things I think we did on that trip was we drove to Washington and mm-hmm. we turned it into a big adventure. Mm-hmm. And so we tried to hit as many national parks along the way as we could. So we hit Carlsbad Caverns and Mesa Verde and Arches and Zion and a few other stops along the way and tried to make it fun and memorable. We stretched it to eight days. And uh, so we got to see a bunch of the western part of the country that we hadn't seen before. And I thought that was kind of fun. So it's a, a great big memory for the kids um, for, for, for something they didn't want to do. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell us how old your kids are or how old they were when you moved and what that was sort of like to, I mean, Jen and I, our kids are both, you know, quite young. Like My kids are three and five, Jen's are three and six. How old were your kids when you moved and what was that like to kind of pick them up and move them? What kind of things do you need to consider with the different ages that your kids were at the time? So our oldest was a sixth grader. He was 12. And then down from there, we had a fourth grader who was 10, a second grader who was eight. And then our kindergartner was five, our daughter. And, you know, leaving home where grandparents, friends, everything they had ever known, you know, we just tried to tell them, um, imagine with us what we're going to be doing, where we're going, that this is going to be something exciting, but we're also going to be sad. We didn't push aside the fact that moving was a big deal. More so, we said, hey, it's going to be hard, but what can we look for in the positives of it? And so that was kind of one of the big, exciting, adventurous parts of getting to move up to Washington State. Awesome. Now, Deb, when you reached out to us, I think one of the things that drew us you know, to you guys specifically was you guys set this big big goal for hiking um, last year. Um, and before I get into the goal, though, I have to like level set this because I, I don't know Texas very well, haven't been to Texas myself. And is there a lot of hiking in Texas or was this something that this goal that got tied into the move that you kind of made part of this move adventure? Great question. So in Texas, there are not big mountains. Like we can be driving to work and see Mount Rainier from where we live. So in Texas, there's not this massive mountain. Now there are some mountains, but where we were from was called the hill country. So you have little baby hills up and down and we would hike here and there, um, we lived by a nature center. And so we would go down to the creek and you know play in the water and ride our bikes. So we were very active, a lot of kayaking, frisbee throwing, you know, we were we were out and about as much as we could be. But hiking, once we moved to Washington State became, you know, kind of our outdoor pastime, what we were going to do when we go outside, we're going to go hiking. And so the goal itself was kind of a motivator for the family to get out and see as much as we could in the past year. And one of the big differences, though, between Washington and Texas, I would argue, is that Texas has about 4% public land, whereas Washington has over 40% public land. And so the opportunities in Texas are not quite as great in terms of outdoor adventures like there are in Washington. Um, So when we did a lot of active things in Texas, we biked a bunch, we fished a bunch, we, we did hike a bunch. Um, We went river trekking a bunch, but in Washington, the outdoor opportunities are very great. Like where we live, it doesn't snow often. We may get snow once or twice a year, but we live 45 minutes from ski slopes. Like we, we don't, we don't, there's not a ton of water right here, but we're 20 minutes from the Puget Sound where killer whales jump around and the seals and sea lions swim around. 
And so like just the, the outdoor opportunities here, are just ridiculous. And it's an absolute blast and privilege to be up here. Gosh, I mean, we're doing a good job of selling the Pacific Northwest because we also are in the Pacific Northwest in the Vancouver area. And yeah, the killer whales and the mountains and the ski resorts, but not having to live in snow. If you're listening in and you don't live in the Pacific Northwest, you'd be like, that sounds like a dream. It is. You should move here. It's amazing. We'll be your friends, right, Jen? Dev and Stu will be your friends yeah, exactly. if you're in Washington. Let's go. <laughs> I know. I think uh, I think Stu's trying to convince his family to move here, right? You're just like, if you're listening in for my family in Texas, this is all the reasons you should move up to, uh, right. <laughs> up to Washington. Yeah, um, you know what's interesting? One of the things I found really interesting, like when we moved up here, we kind of adopted, like, truth be told, it you know, it rains like nine months out of the year, but it's more of a drizzle. It's not like a hard rain. It's a drizzle. And when we moved up here. I asked the question to somebody. I said, hey, do you what do you do if you want to go biking and it's raining? What do you do if you want to go hiking and it's raining? And they said this quote, and I think it is a fantastic quote that our families kind of embodied a little bit. And they said, live like the mountain is out. Now, to explain it, like where we live, Mount Rainier, we can see it just when we when we leave to go to work or leave to go to school. Mount Rainier is there and it's massive and it's huge, but you only see it on a good, pretty day. And they're saying, hey, live like the mountain is out. So you go do the stuff you want to do, even though you can't see the mountain, even though the weather may be a little bit nasty. It may be a little bit wet, a little bit rainy, a little bit cloudy, a little bit foggy. Anyways, <laughs> so we just kind of adopted that. <laughs> Live like the mountains out, baby. So can you tell us a little bit about the the challenge you set for yourselves last year and kind of how you set about accomplishing it and also why you set this goal? Yeah, so we set out to do 100 family hikes in 2022. And so for us, for us, the rules were, were pretty simple. Um, it was that if at least one parent and one kiddo went together, that it counted as a family hike. So if we went solo, it didn't count. Or if Stu and I went together, it didn't count. But we also did a number of hikes together at as all six. So the goal of 100 was to kind of get us motivated to keep going. And, you know, the kids would get tired or, you know, I don't want to hike this weekend. But then we'd say, hey, but we have this goal and we are at hike number 50. We're halfway there. And so it kept being this motivator to get us to keep going and saying, all right, we're at hike 75. How many more do we have? How many more weeks of the year? And so um, the goal was really just this thing to keep looking for and then seeing how much could be accomplished each, each month. And we kept going and going. And the funny part is we actually completed it because I miscalculated. <laughs> we had to complete it on New Year's Eve. We thought we were done. We celebrated. We were like, December 30th, we're done. And we're partying. And then I go and I get all my tallies together. And I realized that we were too shy. So we literally <laughs> took our kids, one of which had been sick. We were like, guys, we can do this. And we went and we had to do two hikes on December 31st. And then we... It was raining and, and it was just not the best weather, but we didn't care. We were out there. We did it. And one of our kids was coughing and he's like, we can do it, mom. We can do it. And I'm like, yeah, we can do it. So when we did it, we were so excited and we completed it right before the new year hit. So it was pretty exciting. <laughs> we get asked this a lot and they said, the people ask, how do you get your kids to like hiking? And the truth of the matter is, is a lot of them don't. <laughs> they don't yeah, and they don't always point. have the best they don't and and they don't always have the best attitude but somewhere <laughs> i'm thinking somewhere around hike 30 or so 
<laughs> Deb turns around to one of the kids. She was like, why do we have to go hiking? And she says, because it's what we do. And the kids stopped and we kept going. It's like, it's, it's just what we do. And so Deb was, I think, was able to, and she said that multiple times, but was able to kind of shift the mindset a little bit of the kids to say, you know what? It's what we do. We're just going to do this. We're going to hit the goal. With all the ages that you have in your family of kids, do you have tricks and tips for parents who might be having a hard time getting their kids to stay moving? It's one of the things I think when Jen and I started this podcast uh, a year and a bit ago, the thing that comes up the most often when people are talking about hiking with kids is like, yeah, but what happens when your toddler throws a tantrum, when your kindergartner doesn't want to go on, when your teen is, or, or in your case, preteen, is a little bit too cool for it? <laughs> what, do you, what are some of the tricks and tips that you've picked up to kind of keep them going, keep them motivated, to keep you two sane as well, right? Because it can be a lot when you get that sort of whining in you, you know, if that's ever happened to you, be interested in those tips and tricks. (laughs) Has it ever happened? You know, like over the years, so Deb has worked with kids, oh, all of her adult life. I've worked with kids all of my adult life in various capacities with various nonprofits through camps or whatever it may be. And, And the art of distraction can help extend time outdoors. The art of distraction can help extend the hike. Um, it, can, it can extend positive attitudes. Art of distraction is key, in my opinion. And so we've, through, through the many miles on the trail, um, there's a number of things that we've used and we've leveraged. Like, for example, um, anytime we can bring friends, it's going to be a win. Our kids are a little bit more distracted and they'll go a little bit further. Um, every time there's friends, every single time, because they're playing, they're laughing, they're goofing, and they're going, and they're distracted. Um, we do a game. Oh, I don't know where we picked up this game, but it was Guess the Animal. Kind of like 20 questions, but not 20 questions. We're saying, I'm thinking of an animal, and they can only ask yes or no questions. And so regardless of the age, even our teenager will play along every once in a while. It works really well um, for our 8-year-old and our 10-year-old. Um, and so like just little games that we'll do, or we'll say, I'm in the grocery store and I'm on the vegetable aisle. What vegetable am I thinking of? And that will go, it's a little bit annoying because they'll want to keep playing it for a long time, but it's games <laughs> and they're distracted and they'll keep going. And another thing that we've done in the past is stories. Oh, um, our, uh, one of our kids, the youngest one will ask questions and she'll ask, um, Hey, tell me a story from your childhood. And one of the things I love to do whenever I'm working with kids is tell stories. I love it. So I'll tell stories and I use as much uh, dramatic detail as I possibly can. Some of, some of it might be a little bit fabricated, but I'll talk about the time Dory flew, off the, flew out of the boat, or I'll talk about the time a horse, I've got bucked off a horse, but they're very dramatic stories. And I'll do, do a lot of descriptors as we're going along and she's distracted and she's engaged and she wants to know the details um, of the stories. And every once in a while, we'll flip it around and we'll ask the kids, hey, make up a story. Your turn. You tell me a story. Just make it up. Dev also, she also at one point uh, had the idea of what would it look like if we let them listen to books on tape for parts of the trail. And so the the older kids will listen to books on tape and they're locked into story. They're distracted by the pain and the rain and the incline. And they're listening to a book on tape. Um, and that works it works really, really well. Devil also do nature, like nature searches, like tr- um, try and find the mushrooms, try and find a certain tree, try and find a specific animal. Um, and that works as well. But I think one of the best, the best things, and I enjoy this one as well, is the snacks. 
Dev always packs oh. up to great snacks. It's <laughs> always snacks. Really always snacks. And with four snacks. kids, Jen, imagine how many snacks you'd have to pack. Oh my God. Yeah. Like an entire bag of just snacks. Just a, just a snack backpack. Now that you guys have completed this pretty audacious goal of 100 hikes in a year, what are you guys setting up for 2023? Like, did you set a bigger goal this year? Or are you taking some time off hiking? Or like, what is the new challenge to keep your family motivated uh, in this not so new setting anymore? But what are you going to be taking in on the Pacific Northwest for 2023? So last year, we did 54 hikes with all six of us. And so um, I actually kicked it back a little bit. I thought we could do 52. Just think about it like one a week, even though we aren't currently doing one a week, but in the summer we hike a whole lot. I'm a school teacher. And so I have my summer off. And even though Stu works a lot, I get to take the kids out and when we go camping, we can fit two or three hikes in on a day. And so I figured 52 was a good goal. And then our new goal is to do some backpacking trips. So we want to go backpacking with all six of us. Stu's gone with some friends and we thought we're going to try to take the kids. So we have a number of friends that have gear that we can borrow. So that's really great that we don't have to buy it, purchase it. Um, We're just going to borrow some gear and then hit some trails that are really kid friendly so that we can get out there. So backpacking is on the list. And we're also hoping to go to the San Juan Islands. So we're kind of going to extend some different trips. Um, We're wanting to go to Canada. That's on the list. Yes. So we're up to Canada for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So we kind of um, also have like a biking trail that we want to do where we're just going to see certain mileage, like how far can we go? So we've kind of uh, traded in the like intense hike, hike, hike for some other adventures that we can do with the family. And I kind of thought like, hey, 100 was and audacious and we did it but we don't have to do it again although funny story uh last day of the year we completed our 100 so we're talking as a family after we're done it was like right before you know new year's to blow the horns and get excited so we're talking about the year and my hiking buddy the the boy or my son that like wants to hike with me all the time so he and i he did like 87 of the 100 hikes so he's like a go-getter yeah he's awesome and he always (laughs) wants to go with me so I'm like, man, we did a hundred. What should we do next year? And he goes, mom, let's do 200 hikes next year. And all the other kids like fell over and they're like, like even my big kids, they're like, no, can't do it. they're like throwing themselves. And I'm like, give him that moment. Like if he wants it, you know, and then, you know, we decided that that probably wasn't the wisest thing to do with school and life and living. So anyhow, but I just loved that after all that. He's like 200 and, and then everyone 400 else the year after. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, Keep on going. <laughs> with, with four kids and like a love of hiking and your new home in Washington, um, be interested in your kind of take on the sort of extracurricular activities for your kids because with four of them like is that something that you prioritize as a family I ask from a place of like me and Jen are trying to figure this out in our own families like if you're into the outdoors if you're into hiking and camping and you know being outside with your kids do you ever have time to fit it in we we haven't prioritized it yet but curious how that kind of looks when you've got a family of four and kids with maybe different interests how do you piece all of that together our kids are very different so one of our kids is in band and loves like experiments and he has like a tinker lab downstairs that he goes and he's constantly like 
putting this type of sugar with this and then like lighting it on fire and explosions like really awesome. it's it's our oldest so he is supervised <laughs> 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 Yeah. So he is, he's just the science kid and the band kid and stuff. And so he, he does band morning early, early, but you know, he's not doing after school sports. Our other kiddo, my hiking buddy one, he is in cross country and basketball and all these different things, um, mostly at school. And then our youngest two have done like intramural basketball, which just ended. And we were so happy because it took up a lot of time, you know, like he enjoyed it. It wasn't his favorite. And he was happy when it was done. And family was happy. We're like, oh, we get free Saturdays back, you know. And so our daughter, she hasn't really jumped. Like she did dance before we moved here. And since we've gotten here, she's done a little bit of cheerleading. But, you know, they haven't been like sports, 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 go, go, go. And they're okay with that. So, um, and but being that our kids do so many like different interests between band and science and basketball and stuff, we kind of give them seasons. So, basketball was for six to eight weeks and um you know the cheerleading was just a little clinic here and clinic there so we do want to prioritize like our family time and not let that take over like all the little extra things take over family time yeah i think it's a that's a tension right like there, there's a number of families that we know where sports kind of rule the schedule and I think one of the things that's really important, I hear my mom telling me this all the time, how important it is to have margins in your life. So like not squeezing every minute of the day with school, then into sports and then the evening activities like scouts or whatever else you may pack into a day and saying, hey, there's value in margin. And then part of the margin that we have is we're able to kind of go outdoors. But Deb's right. Like we're fortunate that we don't have our kids are not um, all in on sports. They kind of do it more recreationally or casually or socially, like they do it because their friends want to do it, um, not because they're incredible athletes or whatever it may be. They just they do it because their friends do it. And so it hasn't taken over uh, yet. I mean, I really love that. Uh, we had a really amazing guest on Linda Flanagan, um, who's an author of a book who talked a lot about, was it Taking Back Taking Back the Game, Kate? Take Back the Game was Linda Flanagan's book. It's amazing. She's gr- amazing. And um, we love talking to her, which is kind of where this question came from. Because Jen and I were talking about this the other night when you came around for dinner, Jen, um, and about like how sports, like you say, can take over your family time and can impact your family dynamics and your relationships if they're all consuming and all time, you know, as so it's really interesting hearing that from you two that that priority the priority for you is the family and I love that Jen that idea that like you do it for a season or a period of time and it's over it doesn't just be like well we're in for hockey now for like 10 years and that's it <laughs> yeah and, and that rolls yeah. into track which rolls into football which rolls into baseball because then you don't get this time to just one, be a family of for us four or for you guys six. Um, you don't get that time to go camping on the weekend because there's always another track meet or hockey tournament. Um, and you just don't get the time outside because oftentimes the sports are either indoors or your quote unquote outside time is you, the parent, standing at the track field while your kid is, you know, running around a artificial turf outside and you, the parent, are standing there in the pouring rain because it's the Pacific Northwest, um, which is not quite the same you as, you know, spending time. Yeah, uh, which is not quite the same as spending time in nature and really embracing the nature around you and having that time and the benefits of time in nature. We've had so many guests on the podcast.
podcasts that have spoken to what that actually does to your brain, to your body uh, when you have that time in nature. And our kids just don't get enough time in nature when you've got full day of school plus four activities in the evening and then weekend tournaments. So I love this idea of leaving the space like sports can be a part of it, but having that space for other um, other activities. I think that sports gets, and, and rightfully so, there's so many great lessons in life that kids can learn from doing sports. But I also think there are so many lessons to be learned for kids when they spend intentional time with their parents. Like, I, mm-hmm. I, I think when parents are able to look for teachable moments, and so like for us, for me and Dev, you know, those teachable moments are oftentimes out on the trail. And so then there's lessons out there on the trail that can that that kids can learn similar to like sports. But like sometimes we'll do night hikes. And when we first started doing night hikes where everybody has a headlamp on, the kids were a little bit nervous. But we're able to talk about courage, being brave enough to do what you should do, even when you're afraid. Or some of the hikes, oh my gosh, we did one hike. I felt bad because I didn't realize it was going to be as long as it was. Our youngest at the time was six. And we went my watch at the end said we went 13.1 miles. Mm-hmm. They did a half a marathon. Yes. You guys, <laughs> we got pizza oh after that. God. We treated them to pizza after that. Like um, six pizzas such- a kid. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> what box do you want? You take a box, you take a box. But, but you know, that teaches the kids, we're able to encourage perseverance. Hey, it's refusing to give up when life gets hard. Right. Or, or when we're on the trail and they're wanting to cut the switchbacks because they don't want to do one more switchback. And we're able to say, hey, there's not a right way to do a wrong thing. We're not going to cut the switchbacks. All right. There's I think there's tons and tons of mm-hmm. lessons that can be taught to kids um, if you're looking for those teachable moments out on the trail. Like and I think kids don't get enough time with their parents, in my in my opinion. And the trails and the hiking and the outdoors gives us that opportunity to be intentional with our kids. Yeah. And I would say that with our big move, you know, we were around family a lot more like our outside family, but our family of six unit just moving to Washington and away from all of the friends that my kids ever knew or, um, you know, our family being just an hour down the road really put in us like, hey, this family unit of six is super important and we're really important to each other. And so a lot of times if our kids are grumbling or fighting or angry with each other, I say, you know, you have this person to be like your friend. And so we just, you know, you can have an argument and, but you got to make up because this is like who you're living with and you're doing life with. And so even in that, like with that big move, we kind of decided, hey, we have each other. Like we're going to make friends and we're going to make have community and we're going to go to new schools, but we have each other. And so it's kind of been really neat to have the outdoors and like going on adventures and hiking to be that like building of our family unit. And so um, it's been really fun to see, like even with the 100 hikes last year, it was just like, hey, this is the thing we're doing. And then, you know, the kids are helping load up the car and they're getting the hiking poles and then they're forgetting socks. And then why'd you forget the socks? And, you know, and it's become like we have some jokes and, you know, like have these family things that we can be like, hey, remember that time that the mosquitoes were killing us and they were so, it was so itchy and then dad forgot the bug spray. And then, you know, we can kind of jab each other over these stories that we've been able to create, these memories we've been able to create. So... Yeah, that big move was something that's kind of gotten us to be a lot closer to, I would say. I love that. And that kind of perfectly transitions to our next question, which we always ask all of our podcast guests. Um, And that is, 
it's time when things have gone wrong. We know that even with the best of intentions and helping your kids pack the car, no matter, even if you've done 99 hikes for the year, there is still a chance that something is going to go wrong on hike 100. Um, and so we'd love for you to share a story or two of when just something did not go right on your hike, either as a family or, or something happened with one of your kids. And what did that look like for you guys? So we had one just recently. We intentionally set out to go look for some frozen waterfalls. And we went on this like um, trail at the foot of Mount Rainier. And the mountain is closed right now. So we kind of decided we would do one that was a little bit closer to home, but still close to Mount Rainier. We get on the trail and we're like, we saw some beautiful frozen waterfalls. We're so excited. We were cutting the, we're switched back, back and forth, back and forth. And all of a sudden my daughter's saying, man, my, my head hurts. Mom, my head hurts. Oh, you're fine. Drink more water. I don't feel so good, mom. I don't feel so good. Well, she ends up halfway through the hike getting a fever, bright red face. She feels awful. And we were probably two and a half miles in trying to go up and up to get to the top lookout point of this trail. And she had to be carried. I mean, she's (gasps) eight now and we don't have carriers we don't have a backpack to stick her in i mean she's a she's a big girl she's really tall for her age so i don't think there's any carrier for a kid that size (laughs) (laughs) exactly and still was really far down because she kept i kept stopping with her and sealing her face and giving her water and he and the boys are just zooming down these these switchbacks and so i put her on my back and i'm trying to walk down (laughs) in the snow with micro spikes on and it was it we got there. Finally, Stu turns around. He looks at me. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, she has a fever. <laughs> I don't know what else to do other than to carry her. She was crying. And, you know, I just, anyhow, all that to say, uh, we got to the more flat spot. She could walk when it was less intense. Got in the car. She fell right asleep. We get home and she had 102.2 fever. And we we're like, all right, well, that's a first getting like fever mid hike. So that was actually two weeks ago. <laughs> When that happened, Stu might be able to tell you about the uh, hike where we accident accidentally. You guys went thirteen miles like that. It, was it wasn't on eight. purpose. <laughs> it, it was wasn't. supposed to be eight. Yeah, we 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 hit the trail. We were in North Cascades area, and we were wanting to hit, hit some of the more epic hikes. And one of the epic hikes was a hike called Cascade Pass Trail. And we drive up to the trail, or or what I thought was somewhere around the trailhead. Um, and everybody's parked on the side of the road. So we park on the side of the road. And we start marching up the road and um, there's no trail in sight. We're literally just w- walking up the road. And as we're tracking it on our watches look, for distance, it's like we've gone about two miles and then we reach a parking lot. And the kids are thinking, or no, they don't just think it. They said it. They said, is this it? Is this the end of the trail right here at the bathrooms and the parking lot? <laughs> what a beautiful size. <laughs> yes, and they've already been complaining at this point. And I'm thinking, oh, no. <laughs> and, and I point out, no, on the other side of the bathrooms, um, that's where the trail starts. And then there is some frustrated kids there at that point. So we begin and the trail doesn't start in a beautiful, like necessarily a beautiful um, um it doesn't begin beautifully because it begins switchbacks and it's switchbacks. What feels like 15 miles, it's not 15 miles, but it feels that way. And so when we get to the, the end of the switchbacks, um, we notice that the clouds begin to settle down lower and lower and lower. 
And, and, and we realized we're about to walk through the cloud. And in my mind, I'm thinking, surely they'll keep sinking and maybe we'll see, still have a clear shot of the pass, or maybe it'll rise by the time we get to Cascade Pass. And so on our journey to get to the pass, uh, we pass a marmot. I didn't, I don't even think I knew what a marmot was. And it was terrifying. <laughs> it was and adorable in the same breath, but it was perched up near the trail. And yeah, and one of our kids is trying to catch it and put it in the backpack. I'm like, no, stop, don't touch it. We don't know if it has any kind of diseases. Leave it alone. We keep going, right? But then we hit a stretch where the trees are gone and it's like all rocks. I'm sure there's a technical term for that stretch where the trees are gone. There there it is right there. Talus field, maybe, I don't know. But all I know is at that point, we started at the bottom of the trail with it about a perfect 61 degrees. But when we hit that talus field or that rock field, the wind was whipping up the mountain. And I, I don't know how cold it was. I'm venturing to say it was below freezing. It was very cold. And then we hit this patch of snow. We're not equipped for the snow. We hit the snow and I tell Dev and the kids, y'all stay here because we're really close to the end of the pass. Like, right, we're almost to the pass. And I'm like, y'all stay here. I just want to look and see the past. I just, y'all stay here. And I didn't want them to crawl across the snow. We couldn't see where the snow ended if one of the kids slipped. It, it went into a foggy abyss, a foggy pit uh, that did not have an end. So it's like, I'm going alone. And so I, I take off across the snow. I go past the snow and I go five minutes down the trail and I see the pass. And the pass was just as... It was frustrating because it was all cloudy and I could only see trees maybe 100 feet in front of me. And that was it. And I was like, this is so lame. And so I'm walking back to that little snowy stretch, dejected, sad, bummed. And then through the fog clouds, I can see something shiny, something silver. I'm thinking, what is that? And as I'm going across the snow, I realize that Dev and the kids had busted out the emergency blankets <laughs> because they were freezing. They thought, I don't know what she thought, but she was like, we, they were not dressed for that cold wind and the snow and they had the emergency blankets and they're shivering and they're all just wrapped up. And I was like, let's go. And I was really grumpy and the rest of the way down. Um, and then when we, when we made it back, I looked at the my watch, we're at the vehicle and it said 13.1 miles. And I was like, guys, it's been a long day. Let's get some pizza. <laughs> And one of the, I think one of the beautiful things about that particular hike was it emphasized, and Dev's a big proponent, big advocate of bringing the 10 essentials yes. and, and having the yes, 10 please. essentials, like, like, like the emergency blankets, even if in my, my head, Dev might've been a little bit dramatic busting them out, but we had them and it was important that we had them. It also sounds like they were like a signaling device to you, like through the clouds. Yeah. Like you could have walked <laughs> off the edge. Who knows where you were going? And you were like, oh, there's a walk towards the silver light, like the leading you through the fog. <laughs> shaking. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. We, there was, we did a hike not that long ago and uh, we got there right about sunset. And we're on the trail. It's not a far hike, maybe three miles or so. And before we hit the turnaround point, it's like a little thin loop where you go on both sides of the river. The sun had gone all the way down and got dark. And I, I yelled to Dev, hey, can we bust out the headlamps? And Dev says, we don't have the headlamps. <laughs> all we had were our two phones and all four kids. And it got real dark. The trees were tall. We're down in a valley where this river is. And it was a little bit intense. 
And the one that likes to go on hikes typically is in the front. And the whole time we're hiking, there's a lot of trails that jet off in this one area. And he's trying to lead the way in the dark without a light. And I'm telling him, buddy, that's the wrong direction. And he's trying to correct me. He's like, no, dad, you're taking us the wrong way. And I'm like, I got the map on my phone with, <laughs> with our little light. Anyways, it was a little frustrating hike. We made it back to the vehicle by using the map and not um, our 12-year-old's um, directions. You call it. Oh gosh. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, we're big proponents of being prepared too. If you're in Canada, if you're in BC, we love Adventure Smart for their, uh, you know, they they lay out the essentials that you should bring with you. And I think you two have just pointed out two really great parts of that, having light and having an emergency blanket with you. Those things are super important. So happy to hear that you are able to deal with those situations uh, with, the, with the, the right gear, even if, you know, the hike was significantly longer than you thought. Now, if People want to follow along, Dev and Stu, on your adventures. Where can they find you on on your website and on Instagram? Um, our website is nextfamilyadventures.com and then also on Instagram, nextfamilyadventures. Right. We'll make sure we drop those links into the show notes. So check out those show notes below. And if you have enjoyed this podcast episode, we'd love for you to hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We really enjoy your feedback on the show. So make sure you follow us on Instagram at Get Outside With Kids and let us know what you'd like to hear about next. And if you've loved hearing about these amazing stories with Devin Stu today, please leave those five-star reviews so we can connect with more parents in your area to inspire them to get outside with their kids.